And that to me is small ball. In baseball, it's the singles, it's the sacrifices, the stolen bases, the defense, all the things that that maybe don't get as much attention. And when I started asking guests that question, what is small ball in your world, the little things that add up to the big things, the responses from my podcast guests were just amazing. And so that became the focus of the book, small ball, big results, with each chapter being a topic. And I set it up like a baseball game. So each chapter is an inning and there's a top half and a bottom half. And one half is a baseball story and one half is some type of a business story. And I think that small ball question is a very telling one because it it, it really is the secret sauce. It's your culture. It's who you are on the inside that enables you. Josh, you mentioned a, a really important word when you were last speaking about process. I mean, everything in life is process. And sometimes the process doesn't lead to results, but if it's the right process, it ultimately will. In today's Distributors Helping Distributors, we're going to talk about hitting a home run of a sale and really the idea of building your network. So much of what we do as promotional products distributors is work through referrals and and build our network. Joel's an expert. And Josh, tell us more about what you're looking into getting into with Joel today. One of the things, Mike, about DHD is trying to give our audience access to experts from outside of our industry. And I thought it would be cool to have Joel Goldberg, who's an Emmy award-winning sports broadcaster and does in-game commentary for the Kansas City Royals, to talk with us a little bit about his own career and how he has climbed the ladder to get to his position, but also about how he has leveraged relationships to basically build his own business. And that does tie in with what we do here in the promotional products world. So I'm excited to have Joel get on the call today and hear what he's got to say. Welcome to Distributors Helping Distributors, hosted by the Swag Coach, Michael Mahoney, with my partner, Josh Fry. Today's topic, well, the title of the show is, are you tired of small clients and sales, swing for the fences and land yourself a major league client? Josh, you came up with that. It's a little wordy, but I think it works, right? So I'm thinking like small ball, big results is like a tighter package. And actually that's Joel's book title and he's going to be the speaker today. So anyone who is a fan of the Kansas City Royals Major League Baseball team will know and probably love our, our guest. Joel Goldberg has served as a broadcaster and reporter for the Kansas City Royals for, uh, I believe, the past 13 seasons as an analyst on, on TV. Since 2017, he's been a motivational speaker. Last year, he came out with a new book, Small Ball, Big Results. It's available on Amazon or, or wherever books are sold. Strongly encourage you guys to get it. It's inspiring. It's entertaining. It is a, a blend of business and baseball. He's got some great stories. It's really about the little things that add up to the big wins in baseball. And I really like how Joel takes these baseball stories and some analogies and relates that, puts them in a relatable package that we can understand. I think we're dealing with a lot of challenges and issues today as promotional products distributors. I think today we're going to focus a lot on trust because that, I think most of us are selling based on trust and on relationships, which are really a foundation to, to building a good business. Joel, dude, can I still call you dude, right? We're, we're yeah. fraternity brothers. I can call you dude, right? I don't even know if we used the word dude back then. We probably did. I don't know. It's such a good word. I love it. 
Really appreciate you taking the time. I'm also a huge baseball fan. It's my favorite sport. Mike, are you a baseball fan? I like baseball. I played when I was a kid. Yeah, what position? I washed out early. <laughs> <laughs> I think they put me in the outfield as far away from the action as they could. That's an important position. Don't underestimate it, Mike. Okay. So, Josh, I'm wondering, uh, how many Emmys do you have for, for broadcasting? I was just curious. So You know, I, Mike, is it going to be like that today? It's going to be like uh, that today. But you know what? I guess Joel Joel has at least one Emmy, right, Joel? It's, uh, yeah, it's just, just one. Is it I, just lost one? My, I, lo- I lost out on all the other ones. Which okay, is all right. Several nominations then. We're super excited. He's got that radio voice. This is great. Joel, first, welcome, uh, and thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit more about yourself professionally. Thanks, Mike and Josh and everybody. I see we're, we're about to hit 100 people on here. So, you know, you guys were downplaying before I came <laughs> on. Like, we're just nothing. Like, 100 people on a call is a pretty big deal, by the way. I, I suspect that there's some nights where we're broadcasting at 2 in the morning that there aren't 100 people left <laughs> watching. Although I made that mistake once of mentioning that on Twitter, and suddenly, like, there were 300 insomniacs that reached out to me. The short of the story is is from back before I knew Josh at the University of Wisconsin. My dream was to be a television broadcaster. He wouldn't remember this, but I did a lot of cable access type of stuff when I was at Wisconsin, and I was really bad. And so I assume I got better because 26 years later, I'm still in the business. For the last 13 years, this will be my 14th season in Kansas City, I have been the television pre- and post-game show host and the in-game reporter. And what makes that unique and the only role like this in the country is that almost every other market, which is usually bigger than Kansas City, they have two, three, five, ten different people that'll share those roles. Or maybe one person hosts the show and the other travels with the team and reports. And I do all of it. It's one of the positives of being in a smaller market without an NBA or an NHL team is whether people like me or not, hopefully a lot do, but I don't worry about that stuff anymore is they know who they're getting and they're getting me every single night. And I have an analyst that joins me and we travel with the team in a non-pandemic year. And then I'm down by the dugout doing all the in-game reports and and the interviews. And so really from a sales standpoint, I think my job and my role is more of a sales type of role than any job in television, because I have to build these relationships with these players to be able to get the access that enables me to bring the interviews to everybody at home. And that's actually really interesting because I would have figured in your role, the players have to come and speak to you. But then when I was reading in your book, you were apprehensive your first time going to Mark Grace, dealing with Albert Pujols and all these superstars. You have to really sell yourself to get their attention. That's exactly right. And I think the interesting thing about it, and I think everybody on here, we just hit the 100 mark, by the way, right in the nose. (laughs) So congratulations for that. But you guys probably do that all the time. I was in journalism school. I double majored in journalism and history, but I I don't like how many universities or high schools for that matter, or whatever degree or path you're taking teach relationship building, because people will usually say to me, what's it like to be on TV or do you get nervous or, or what's it like to meet this person? And, and I think that we all sort of miss really what I'm doing every single day. Yes. They pay me to talk about baseball pretty fortunate. But what no one ever really talks about is that I'm in the people business and no one ever taught me that. And once I figured it out, life became so much easier as a professional. Joel, how do you get access to some of the people that you're interviewing, especially earlier on in your career and when you were you know, less well-known and, and you were trying to get access to some of these people who are big stars, right? You have more opportunity in baseball because you're around it more. There are more games. And so as Josh mentioned a little while ago, 
they don't have to do these interviews. I think the NFL finds players if they don't, you know, do specific mm-hmm. timed interviews. And I dealt with that over the years with some big names. But for baseball, you really have to work at it. And here's the other thing, too. And I never understood this when I was younger. And I'd watch some of these writers just get all these scoops and, and great inside information. And, and it, I would observe it. It would always happen. There'd be a scrum of reporters around the player. And it'd be all the cliche type of answers. Take one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. And you'd walk away. Like, oh, well, at least I got a 20-second soundbite for the news. Then you'd see this reporter kind of lingering. And suddenly you look in the paper the next day and there's all this stuff that nobody else had. And that's what I have now. And how did I get to that point? You do it, as Josh said, by selling yourself. And it's not a one-time deal. It's an everyday showing up. But more than that, it's connecting with them on a deeper level and understanding. So I have this mantra now, and I have for years, that when I walk into a locker room or baseball, we typically call it a clubhouse. When I walk into the clubhouse, I don't want players walking the other way. If they know that they can trust me and they know that I am going to not keep them from getting to where they need to go, allow them to do their job because the reality of it is getting on the training table or getting in the batting cage or doing all these things to prepare for a game are much more important than talking to me or the media. And I get that. But if I can at least do it on their terms and get that relationship going. I always, almost always get what I need. But real quickly, Mike, to get back to what you were saying too, I didn't know how to do that earlier in my career. And so some of these big names, it was a crapshoot. Sometimes they said yes. Sometimes they said no. I'm of the belief now that if I know the player, I will get a yes every time. Might not be at the moment I want it, but I will get it every single time. I didn't have that confidence earlier in my career. The reason I asked the question is that we're talking with uh, independent business owners now who are small promotion products distributors. And, and they're, one of their challenges every day is to get access to decision makers or to buyers, right? To prospects to get them on the phone, right? And, and start those conversations. And it's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, well, and, I, along, and along those lines, just how do you get over your nerves, right? You don't have the experience. You haven't been professionally trained in the area of kind of getting over your nerves and building these relationships. And how do you coach yourself up to get through? No, I think there's a few things there and I'm trying to kind of put myself back in that spot, but you know what, as a, as a professional speaker now, I'm still in that spot because I've been doing the speaking thing for the last three or four years as a a side business. And that's still newer to me. And so there is being a little bit uncomfortable. I know it's easier said than done, but what do you really have to lose? I mean, everything that you have to lose is in your own head. So, you know, when people ask me, do you ever get nervous on TV? And my response always is, do you get nervous walking into your office? Right. Because I know that we're going to make out being on TV as a bigger deal. Why? Because most people have never been on TV. Most people only have a perception of what it is, but they understand it at least like, you know, if I say, Hey, Josh, what do you do? You have to do a little bit of explaining. I could very simply say I'm a television broadcaster and everybody knows what that is. Oh, wow. You're a television broadcaster. Well, we don't know anybody like that, or we've never, but we see them every single day, but it's what I do every single day. When I was younger, and I think this could be instructive to to our audience here, when I was younger, and I was generally the third or fourth in the pecking order of of our broadcast teams on on local news stations and all that, and so I was kind of the backup. You know, I'd go out in the field and report, and then if somebody was on vacation, I might get to anchor the weekend news for one or two days. And I was so nervous and put so much pressure on myself that this is the one moment I have to get it right. It's like the sale. I I have to get this right because if I don't, when's the next opportunity? I think if you could just go out there, 
You got to go sell, then go sell. And, and, and don't think so much, if I don't get this deal, then I am fill in the blank. Just, just go do it and go do the next one and do the next one and the next one. And you know what? You're going to lose on a lot of them. Yeah. And when the losing doesn't bother you, you just move on to the next one. Why don't we shift and, and talk a little bit about your book, Joel? It spoke to me. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Again, small ball, big results. What do you mean by small ball? What I've come to learn over the years in hearing answers, sometimes, you know, cliche, hump, being humble and all that. I don't know. But you say, hey, tell me about that home run. Well, I wasn't really trying to hit it. And a lot of times they're serious about that. I was just trying to, to hit to the opposite field. I was just trying to put the ball in play. I wasn't trying to hit a home run. And that to me is small ball. In baseball, it's the singles. It's the sacrifices, the stolen bases, the defense, all the things that that maybe don't get as much attention. And that became very much a passion of mine because that's how the small market Kansas City Royals won a world championship in 2015. And they were supposed to lose every series against the bigger home run hitting teams. And when I started asking guests that question, what is small ball in your world, the little things that add up to the big things, the responses from my podcast guests were just amazing. And so that became the focus of the book, small ball, big results, with each chapter being a topic. And I set it up like a baseball game. So each chapter is an inning and there's a top half and a bottom half. And one half is a baseball story and one half is some type of a business story. And I think that small ball question is a very telling one because it it, it really is the secret sauce. It's your culture. It's who you are on the inside that enables you. Josh, you mentioned a, a really important word when you were last speaking about process. I mean, everything in life is process. And sometimes the process doesn't lead to results, but if it's the right process, it ultimately will. Tell us a little bit about just in terms of some of the topics of the book, and then we're going to dive in a little bit to a few of them. I'll give you the chapters, which was interesting because, you know, I'd never written before. It wasn't difficult to write it because I knew all the people and the subjects. The hard part, and I wrote it in chunks, a little here, a little there, was I didn't know the order of these chapters and not always even what the topics were until I kind of laid them out and then I came up with the order. But structured again like a baseball game and it went extra innings because I just had more than nine topics and so I got cutesy with that. But chapter one is about purpose, which I think is so important, finding your purpose. I thought my purpose was I was living my dream. And then I came to understand over the years when I would get tweets or something from members of the military saying, Hey, we loved the game last night. It was on the American Forces Network. Uh, it was awesome. I'm like, we lost 13 to nothing, and there was a three-hour rain delay. The game was miserable, and it, it made me realize that there's always someone watching, and as much as they want their team to win, we may be providing a service to somebody in a hospital bed or somebody stationed overseas to give them a little bit of peace. So that became my, my greater purpose, and really now a, an even deeper purpose in trying to share that with others. The second chapter is about people. I just want to share this quote with you guys real quick. David Glass was the former owner of the Royals and former CEO of Walmart who said, you do everything through people. If we all got paid on what we individually could produce, none of us would be worth much. But if we can manifest our knowledge and our talents and so forth through other people, then we can win. And he told me that about three months before he passed away. Third chapter is positivity, the power of positivity. One of the focuses on there is a young police officer who was in fitness competitions and all that here in Kansas City, and she was diagnosed with ALS and just one of the most positive, upbeat person I met. Fourth chapter is trust. We'll talk about that. Fifth chapter is the importance of face-to-face, even in a Zoom, what it means to get to know someone. Sixth chapter is attention to detail. There's some people that are unbelievable with this in the book. 
Seventh chapter has hit the curve, a metaphor I love to use in whatever we do, sales, whatever everybody on here does with their specific companies or, or roles, whatever goes exactly as planned, right? So we oftentimes have to hit the curve. Eight is read the room. I talked about building those relationships before. In part, I do it by reading people. When's the right time? When's the wrong time? Because when you can figure that out and make it easier on them, you can build that trust quickly. Ninth is don't give up. We all deal with resiliency. 10 is do the right thing. Very powerful when you do right by people. 11 is that every role matters no matter what in an organization. 12 is pivot. We've heard that used over and over again. But we are very lucky, guys, to have the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum here in Kansas City. 2020 was supposed to be their 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And they had all these events planned and most everything had to be canceled or adjusted because of the pandemic. And they had their best fundraising year ever. But if you go back to 1920, when the Negro League started, some of the best players in the world were told by the Major League Baseball, we don't want you. And so their pivot was, that's fine. We'll start our own league. There's a lot of inspiration there. And then the last one is passing it on. We, we are all, I believe, and have come to learn leaders. And we really become leaders when we're willing to share with those that don't know or those that are younger or the next generation, what we have learned as those before us did for us. So that's, that's the 13 chapters of the book. I think it's so amazing wow. by the way, because these topics definitely speak to me. I think that's why I like reading the book as well. I'm not as big of a reader as Mike. Mike is, reads a lot. I don't read that. You needed more but, pictures, Joel, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't do a lot of reading at Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <it. laughs> that's funny. But I mean, these topics are kind of, they speak to me because as an entrepreneur, I started my own business, actually started it in Wisconsin and then continued afterwards. I've, I'm self-taught. Joel, what, you tell a lot of stories in the book, athletes, entertainers, musicians, politicians, there's a great cross-section, but you, there's a lot of stories. You, and you talk about storytelling for building relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about that concept of why stories are powerful because again in, in our in our business what we're doing storytelling can be powerful if it's applied properly oftentimes that storytelling begins with listening and having an interest in telling someone else's story so it's amazing what happens when you allow others to tell their story i i heard a quote recently that said listening is the greatest gift that you can give others silence is the best gift you can give to yourself you know one of the things that I have done, I wrote about this briefly in the start of the book, is when I decided to start my speaking business, which I stumbled into pretty much accidentally four years ago, didn't know such a thing existed, really. A good friend of mine and neighbor said, you need to start networking. Josh, you referenced it, I think, quickly, or maybe Mike, you did before, my, my Mark Ray story that I write about in the book, because I didn't learn from it in the moment, but it was a very powerful thing. I walked up to Mark Grace, who was the first ever baseball interview that I did. I was working back in Madison at that point was in Milwaukee to cover the Brewers and Cubs. I don't know why, because we didn't cover baseball 70 miles away and, and go there, but we did. And I was nervous. Who am I going to get for a soundbite on the news? And I knew that Mark Grace was one of the nicest, biggest personalities in the game, so I figured that would be a slam dunk. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, Mark, my name's Joel Goldberg. I'm with the NBC TV affiliate in Madison, Wisconsin. Can I grab you for a second? And he looked at me and he stared at me and he goes, you don't touch me. And he just held it staring at me for a minute, or at least it felt like a minute. It was probably two seconds. And I'm sure he saw the panic on my face. And then he finally looks at me and he says, I'm just messing with you, kid. Anything you need. And it wasn't messing with you. It was a different different word. You can and, curse if you want. No, this is not the Howard Stern show, Josh. <laughs> All right. I'm just, I'm, just effing with, I'm just effing with you, kids. 
And, um, you know, there are a few rules in television. One of them is you can't drop the F-bomb. He let me off the hook. And what I didn't realize that day, and it's in their nature that guys understand on a baseball team that they're going to get hit up for interviews. So it's a little different than asking for a sale. But what about a guy like Albert Pujols, who took me seven years, and I think we'll talk about this in a moment, to be able to regularly get that yes, I had never built the relationship with him. And I tried to go from step A to step whatever the end result was. And I had the privilege in, I think, October or November, it was October, and I, I included him in the book, of moderating a panel where I interviewed Simon Sinek. And a lot of people follow Simon, if you don't check him out, very inspirational and, and a brilliant speaker. And he talked about how, how how many people would go for a coffee or a date and by the end of the date, ask the person to marry them. And how often are we doing that in business? And we so badly want to get to the end that if we would just try to work our way there, offer value and, and just start to try to build the relationship, which doesn't mean, hey, you want to go hang out next week? It just means taking an interest in people and listening to them a little bit because not everybody has the same needs. Can you tell the story about you and Albert Pujols, how long it took for you to build that relationship, what you learned from it. Yeah, I learned everything from it, Mike. And I, I think it's my greatest story. Albert Pujols broke in with the St. Louis Cardinals. I worked in St. Louis in 2001. I remember sitting down at spring training and interviewing him. He was 21 years old and he wasn't even expected to be in the big leagues that year. He was a, a minor leaguer who had had great success the year before, but due to injuries, he, he made it up on opening day and quickly went from being the rookie of the year to the second best player behind Barry Bonds, two hands down, the best player, no questions asked in baseball. And you're talking about numbers that he put up now is put up in, in the likes of the Hank Aarons and the Babe Ruths of the world. Year after year, I struggled to get interviews with him. By the way, when the guys are walking off after having shaken hands and you ask somebody to do an interview and they say, no, you can't ask the guy behind him if he'll do it instead. So, I mean, it was really a source of stress. It was a source of me questioning whether I was any good at this. Do I belong here? Do I need another career? I mean, I'm not over-exaggerating this. My last year in St. Louis, 2007, I walked up to Albert. I was a little bit nervous. And I said, Albert, can I talk to you in private? He said, sure. I don't even know if he knew my name at that point, even though he certainly knew who I was. I'd been with him for seven years. And I said, I just, I want to talk to you about something that was confidential. The only people that know about this are my wife and my boss. But I have a job opportunity in Kansas City. And just for those of you that don't know, most probably don't, um, Albert was born in the Dominican. His family moved to New York City when he was 16. They had family members in Kansas City. And so they came to Kansas City and he went to high school and junior college here. So I said, Albert, I have this job opportunity next year in Kansas City. I want to know your thoughts about the city. He said, it's a great city, great place to raise a family. I can't tell you whether the job is a good one or not. You'll have to figure that out, but your secret is safe with me and, and let me know what happens. So that, that was like a 10 minute conversation. And also a reminder that like, don't ask for the sale or put the camera down. Be personal. Two weeks later, I get the job. We're in Milwaukee. I tell him at the hotel and he says, let, let me take you to lunch to celebrate. It was in an urban neighborhood in Milwaukee. There was a Puerto Rican grocery store within the back of that grocery store, the greatest restaurant in terms of Latin food that I've ever had in my life. I don't know what we ordered. He ordered it in Spanish because the waitress spoke Spanish. And they're sitting face to face. Albert Pujols and me talking about life, talking about our kids. I had chills because it was a real life conversation. It had nothing to do with baseball. And three weeks earlier, I despised the guy. By the way, he offered to sell me his house in Kansas City. He said, it's only 5,000 square feet. And I said, Albert, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we don't make the same kind of money. 
Then he offered to rent it to me, which I should have done. We'd have no equity, but I could have said I lived in Albert Pujols' house. But over the years, <laughs> as a lot of media members shied away from Albert, I'd get the one-on-one in St. Louis or when he moved on to Los Angeles. And colleagues or even other players would be like, how did you get that? Or one time I was standing outside the Angels clubhouse and the, their PR guy said, hey, can I help you with something? I said, I'm just waiting on Albert. He goes, does he know that? I go, yeah, he texted me to be here right now. Oh, so here's the final part of the story, which was being able to start this relationship with him. I, about three, four years ago, I approached him in the visiting clubhouse here in Kansas City. They were in with the Angels. I said, Albert, I have a confession to make. He said, what's that? And I said, I, I've never told you this, but you used to scare the hell out of me. I mean, I, I used to dread talking to you. And I just want to say that I'm, I'm grateful for the friendship now. And he got embarrassed. He got red in the face. His teenage son was sitting next to him. He said, everybody wants something from me. But once I trust you, I'll do anything for you. And that's where I got. But here's the, the final thought to that, guys. One, I now had the in. Okay, I now moved to the front of the line because I built the trust. I can get anything from Albert anytime. But the, the, the flip side to that is, is that erodes and that goes away quickly if you abuse it. So whenever I see him, I get a big hug and a handshake and how's the family. And oftentimes it don't ask anything. Or sometimes I'll say, hey, we got this guy from the Dominican over on our team. He's nervous right now. He's only 24 years old to meet you. Can I introduce you? Now I'm doing a little something for that 24-year-old. So I, I love that story when I read it. I mean, it really spoke, it spoke it to life me. Changing. It was a life-changing story for me, Josh. Yeah. There, there's a quote you had, Joel, in your book that said, today I view it, building relationships, as the most important part of my job as a broadcaster and motivational speaker. There is a formula for how to build trust. You talked was about it. A, was yeah. it is it Joel Madden's? Yeah, Joe, Joe Madden. Joe Madden was a guy from early on when I was in Kansas City. He was the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. Then he was the first guy to lead the Cubs to a world championship in over, over 100 years. And Joe Madden is one of my favorite people to talk to in baseball. The reason is he's a renaissance man. He'll talk about anything, including baseball. He's a guy that goes against the grain. It's always been done this way. Well, why do we need to do it this way? This is just eyewash. He's thinking outside the box. Well, we were playing the Cubs one year. I walked into his office and I said, Joe, I speak a lot about trust. How do you build trust in a in a major league clubhouse? And he said, interesting that you mentioned that because a local designer and I just designed a, a print that we're selling for charity. Of course he did, because what other manager would design a print for charity? It just has a handful of words. It says, build relationships with an arrow down, trust, arrow down, exchange ideas, And then it says constructive criticism with a line and then flows. And what he meant, he explained it to me was that we we all want trust, but we forget to build the relationship first. The trust comes after you build the relationship. You build the relationship, then the trust comes. Once the trust comes within people in an organization or on a team, then, and that could include prospects, clients, whatever, then, and only then can you exchange ideas. Because if you're exchanging ideas with someone that you don't have trust with, you're not in synergy. Once you exchange ideas with that that relationship and trust, then he said constructive criticism can flow, meaning that it's really tough to criticize or give people advice until you've built that relationship. In a small way, that's what I did with Albert Pujols that day. How, How many people have ever gone up to Albert and asked him for life advice? Ultimately, I was getting something, but I think he was too, because I was valuing his opinion. And, and when everybody that's on this call right now sits there and says, okay, that's great, but how do I get in with this? How do I get in with that? Sometimes you do it by just reaching out and saying, 
I was wondering what you thought about this. Hey, what's your opinion on this? I would love, you're the expert on this. I would love to hear what you have to say. If they think there's an ulterior motive, they'll see it and that'll be the end of it. People want to be able to share that with you. They do. Sure. Well, I found that you can learn a lot from clients and prospects. Yes, you know, that's absolutely. how you improve, right? So as long as you're authentic, absolutely, it works. I got an email out of nowhere about a week and a half ago from a young woman, and 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 she's probably in her later 20s now, that she was a student, journalism student at the University of Missouri, about two hours from Kansas City. And she reached out on Twitter and said, hey, I'm the president of the Women's Broadcast Club. We're coming to a Royals game. Can we pick your brain and do some Q&A? And I said, of course. And I ended up mentoring her over some years, just always asking questions, giving her advice, helping her get in the business. She broke into the business, small market, got her way to Kansas City at a, at a cable station. They got rid of that station and she got out of the business. I hadn't heard from her for two years, but she sent me an email out of nowhere saying, I'm just calling. I'm just emailing to say thank you. I want to let you know that I got out of the business. I'm married now. I just had my first baby. I got into real estate. It's going to be better for me and my family. But you opened so many doors for me and you were such an impact for me that I believe that that people should have mentors like you. And I can't wait to tell my daughter she can do anything, which you taught me I could do. It was this random act of kindness. And she was just trying to thank me, but it moved me almost to tears. And it was just a reminder that every little thing that we do can impact someone else. And when we think that way with our clients or prospects, you never know what type of a major impact it can have. So she that day, without meaning to, that that our words and our actions, you never know how much they can impact others. And oftentimes down the road, those can lead to business. Awesome. Thank you. Josh, wanna, right. uh, thank you. Guys. Yeah. And let me just say this. I mean, dude, can I call you dude? Again, yeah, why not? Really appreciate the time. We're so honored a guy of your stature would come and talk to us. We really appreciate it. Seriously, congrats on all the success. Thanks for taking the time to share your lessons learned, which are fantastic lessons for our industry. And so really, really appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck. If we can turn around and be a resource to you in any way, keep us in your back pocket. You know, you've got some people that want to help you in any way we can. Okay, Josh, I will be honest. When we set up this show with Joel, my first thought was, are we going way too far off base here? Like, what does Joel, what does a broadcaster for the Kansas City Royals have to do at all with promotional products distributors? But I, I will say, this made a lot of sense. This is a, a really great show. And there are some strong takeaways from Joel today that are, are highly actionable. What do you think? Well, anybody that writes a book called Small Ball, Big Results, has got my attention. And Mike, I'm going to tell you that I thought that Joel did one hell of a job. I mean, he was motivational. He talked about stories around perseverance and patience and grit and gratitude. You know, I mean, the guy is like a, he's a celebrity in Kansas City and he is well known from soldiers to executives to entrepreneurs and baseball players alike. So to hear kind of his perspective on life and career and business was highly motivational and inspirational for me. So these are the three things that I took from the show. Number one, it's all about trust. Trust is the foundation of building relationships in business. You know, Joel shared his best practices for how he breaks the ice and then builds trust with some of the most popular and influential athletes and business owners in the world. The second thing he talked about is knowing your why. He actually interviewed Simon Sinek and we know Simon from EO, Mike, and Joel shared about knowing your why, your reason for being, which directs us all and promotes a level of authenticity that shines through when we're prospecting and meeting people. 
So figuring out your why will help you connect better with people and attract people that you want to do business with. And the third thing, and we've talked about this with our small group coaching, is asking questions. We are in a product business, yes, but it's not about leading with the product. It's about leading with the questions to understand the buyer, to understand the client or prospect and their pain points. So if you can understand their needs and their jobs and their role, you can then plug in products and services that will help open doors and close deals. Strong stuff. I really, really enjoyed this and learned a lot from this. So question is, what did you, our promotional products distributors community who are joining us, what did you think of today's show? What did you learn or what questions or comments do you have? And we love interacting with you. So two things you can do. One is visit our Facebook group, Distributors Helping Distributors, and post your comment, your feedback, your questions. And if you're interested in a one-on-one coaching session, visit swagcoach.com, look for book your free coaching call, and let's get together and talk through your business, some of the challenges you might be facing now, your vision for the future, and we can try to share some ideas with you that could be valuable and make this uh, maybe the most valuable 20, 30 minutes of your day. So thanks guys for joining us today, and we'll see you next show.